Frank, you caught me on a good day. I am actually standing upright right now. <laughs> Congratulations. I've been following this on Twitter. Uh, you hurt your back and you're on muscle relaxers now? Is yeah, I was right? trying to do a few nights ago. I was trying to do a workout, really high intensity type stuff. And <laughs> okay. uh, halfway through day two of it, basically, my, my lower back started cramping. I stretched out a little bit, but then it cramped so hard that I fell to my ground. I was in the house, so that was okay. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, if I'm going to fall to the floor in agony, I guess that's a good place. Yeah, it was pretty rough, and uh, I kind of felt like someone was jamming me in the back with a knife. Uh, so, <laughs> not Oh, good. my God. How did you get... Okay, so you, you blame sports. You were working out too hard, and then your back said, stop working out, and you Ye- fell to the floor. Well, I was doing this really high intensity thing called insanity, uh-huh. which is a really cool at home workout thing. Mm. And I had done this five years ago, but in five years, your body changes a lot. And I'm now an old, old man at 31 oh, and just falling apart. I don't, I don't believe that one little bit. I figure you're just an 18 year old with a giant beard. That, that's my image of you. Don't, don't let me down, buddy. Oh, well, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, it was really rough. Basically, what's happening is, I thought I maybe had a pinched nerve. That's not the case because I can feel my legs. There's no pain there. So I went to urgent care yesterday. They confirmed it. My sister confirmed it because she's a nurse anesthetist. And um, essentially, they're just like, you know, your muscle, you move your muscles in some way that your muscles like, nope, I don't think so. Uh -uh, Mm. Not going to (laughs) happen. And I must have done it so bad that it was really serious. So every time I shift from side to side, my back cramps up. So if you hear me mute, it's because I'm screaming in agony (laughs) as I record this. Now, I am on muscle relaxers, so that's helping a little bit. But at the same time, it is supposed to make you drowsy. And so hopefully I don't drool and that would be good or fall over. This should be an excellent show if you're, if you're on a good, strong drug like that. I always think you, you forget you have a back until it stops working or until it reminds you every moment you try to use it like yours is doing now. That's too bad. We'll, we'll make it through. We're going to have a great episode with a great topic, and you'll totally forget about all that. I hope so. Yeah, I think I agree. It's like you never you don't know what you have until it's gone or is, <laughs> is, is making you scream in agony. But no, it's been okay. I took a few days off been resting all of our patrons Uh in patreon and our twitter followers have been super helpful which has been really nice but um i'm now standing completely straight at my desk on a brand new microphone i'm very excited uh yeah and drooling all over the place i i have to wonder if people are just more interested to see if you make it through than encouraging you but yeah we'll assume you're gonna make it through this ordeal for the moment it's totally gonna happen i swear (laughs) um yeah so uh, something actually kind of happened in the last few days um, not only just my back, but I've been attempting to update all my applications for 2018. And this seems like You've something I working? do. Yeah, I've been working. That's... Yeah. I've been... <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything if I hurt my back. I just I just stand in the middle of the room and pretend I'm a statue. That's what I do. But you were working. I s- okay. <laughs> I set up I set up a nice little desk area thing. Um, and I was able to work. I was, I had a Mac and a PC on, on the couch. So I was working. <laughs> okay. And, uh, couch set up. Cool. Couch set up. Mm-hmm. And what I decided to do is I wanted to start update some apps or maybe bring an app to a new platform. Mm. And these were apps that maybe I've updated like six months ago. So I'm like, all right, it's time to update. If I'm going to bring it to new stuff, what's the latest, uh. you know, nougats, what's the latest, um, stuff for iOS and Android. What, what do I need to do? And what I kind of realized, like my back, which is now old and aging, mm-hmm. how I had my app set up, the state of my applications were kind of oh, Lord. 
They kind of needed some muscle relaxers. That's what they needed. Baroque. I'm going to call it Baroque. Yeah, I recently yeah. opened my Kauka project out. And I, I, in my head, Kauka is a brand new app. I just wrote it like last week. But the truth is the source code is actually kind of old at this point. And it's gone through a lot of versions of Xamarin. And I've played a lot of dirty tricks and had the most ridiculous project structures you can absolutely imagine. And so it's funny you should mention this because I was going through the exact same process of, you know, the projects were compiling. They were fine. I have them in CI, but they could have been so much better and cleaner with um, all the updates and tooling fixes and features that have come. So yeah. that's what you've been doing? Yeah, That's what I've been doing. And in fact, I have things in a good state, but unlike your application, apparently that was in a good state of CI, <laughs> all my stuff was broken. Like everything was broken yeah. and I don't know why. <laughs> um, so that's good. Yeah. So, so... Step one for me was to get everything into CI because I think we've talked about this before is how do you make sure that your apps, that you can actually do bug fixes on them and actually can release things. So I think this year I really got the CI religion. And so you did too, but yours was just failing. Is that what's going on? Yeah, you know, I'm not really positive what happened. So I pulled down the source code. I was updating all my nougats, which is always fun to do. Um, and I, I made a big thing this year. I was going to tweet this photo, but about a year ago, we were in this .NET standard transition. You yeah. remember. Oh, I still feel like I'm in it, buddy. <laughs> yes. And you, we still kind of are, in fact. And what happened in that point is with .NET standard 1.x and .NET Core 1.x, when you would add a NuGet like JSON.NET, it would add all of these facades you know, mm-hmm. into your, it's like my app had about like 50 nougats, but really there was only like 10 and they were just facades. I know. It really kills my OCD. I shouldn't mm-hmm. care. I, I should just know this is all just tooling stuff. Don't pay attention to it. But every time I see like packages, you have 50 packages. I'm like, I am not using 50 external libraries here. Yeah. I'm just using honestly one in json.net but somehow it's pulling in all of .net in these facades so if people don't know these nougat has basically a copy of ms core lib and they're called facades and it's how pcls work it's how .net standard works it's an implementation detail that really should be hidden from you but as our tooling has matured it went through an adolescent phase <laughs> they were all kind of stuck with where all those things that should have been hidden show up. Yeah. And so now what's actually interesting is that a lot of that's fixed. So I went through, first thing what Mm -hmm. I did was cleanup. I did NuGet cleanup, which was I went through and I needed to update all my NuGets to what I want. And this is Android support libraries. This is other libraries and who, who knows what else. And I wanted to remove some stuff too. So you can actually now remove all of those facades as long as you update to the latest version of JSON.net because that was the one that was originally built against <laughs> .NET standard and all this stuff. So what what um, James Newton King does is he has only three dependencies now. So you only have three of those reference packages. So that was the first thing is I looked at my diff commit and it was like removing 25 nougats from my mm-hmm. package, these facades. It didn't make any mo- actual changes to my code, but it just made me feel better and more tingly inside that I was only including what it actually needed. So that was step one. But then I went over to BitRise where I had previously built all of my applications and like just nothing was building. I would push code. I had oh. no idea. And I was like, I don't even want to to mess around with it <sighs> anymore. I'm like, let me just, let me see if I can just move this all over into like App Center. Because these apps are very simplistic. Oh. <laughs> so I did that. 
So it's not building in CI, so I'm going to move to a different CI and get see if it builds. I don't know if that's the greatest advice to give, but I'm glad it worked for you. Yeah, I think. So, <laughs> I mean, there was a re- there was another rationale for this too, is because okay. we've talked a little bit in the past about how I love Bitrise for building my applications, and I love VSTS for the power and the release management. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. App Center fits somewhere in the middle where it'll build all my apps. I don't have the the fine grain control yeah. like I did in Bitrise or VSTS, but these apps are simple, Frank. They were yeah. one solution, very simplistic. And then at the same time, App Center, like it allows me to like log into my Google account, into my Apple account, like really easily and push updates like from mm-hmm. the portal. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna use our, I'm gonna dog food our own product and see if it if it does it, what nice. I need. And I was overall really happy with it. It doesn't do everything that Bitrise does, but I was able to migrate all those applications over faster than probably to fix all my, my Bitrise issues and whatnot. And that was kind of mm. my my goal. And also I was paying for Bitrise, so my goal is to stop paying because <laughs> oh. App Center is for free. So that's kind of my... Okay. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Hmm. Granted, I love my Bitrise still, and I still use it for some other apps that are in good state, right? So it's like this... <laughs> It's kind of like this in-between of mixed match of everything. But I wanted to get stuff building. That's what's important. Yeah, and obviously you hit that perfect sweet spot. I often think I should just keep changing my projects until they are that simple. You know, having these complicated build steps and all that. While it's satisfying and we've gone through all the intricacies and all the things you can pull off, it is nice to be able to just point a service at a Git account and just have it magically build. So I do kind of take it as... um Maybe even using the word simple isn't even the right word. How about just normal or regular? Like you're not doing any hacks or anything fancy with your project. So that's cool. So you hit a sweet spot. I, I'm not there. I'm still happy with um, getting builds and not having that integration with Apple or Google. But a manual release step, I don't have that many apps and I don't release that often. So it hasn't been that big of a deal for me. I haven't needed that. But if it, nothing beats the simplicity of just <laughs> getting them up and building. So good there. Yeah. And I think you're I doing that for to, everything. Yeah. And I have that for everything. I think that was our goal. Like you said, for 2017, we talked a lot on DevOps and all the different services that are available. So I'm like, you know what? If anything, I want to group all my apps together, get them in a place where I feel really comfortable about the tooling and all the other stuff that I want. And I'm just going to make it happen. And also, mm-hmm. I moved over to App Center because my apps, I wanted to add a UWP application to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't have that option on Bitrise. (laughs) Need to do something better. Yeah. Darn it. You're making me feel bad. But I'm going to keep going because at least I have a bunch of apps all green. And that makes me feel good. And I I think that's what I was going for is all green, happy. You know, and I could have just only built the UWP app over in App Center anyways and mm-hmm. had everything else in Bitrise. So I was like, I'll just let's make them all <laughs> together, right? And the reason I wanted to do that is because there's a big change in devices. So once everything was green, I was really happy. And it was because someone asked me on Twitter, like, why are you bringing it to UWP? Because like, I don't really ship a lot of UWP apps. Mm-hmm. And I guess I was like, well, why not? It took me two hours to yeah. do. And yeah. um, they have these new arm windows 10 s machine so i'm like i'll just give it a go and see what happens and it's also good to test my own libraries but that that was like the change in devices that made me push it but now what i'm doing is really focusing on changes to ios and iphones more than anything (laughs) which is fun oh something around that iphone 10 i imagine because that that puppy's been giving me a lot of bothersome problems but first i want to go back to what you said about uwp um if you're going to go through the efforts of writing a Xamarin Forms app, and I say efforts only in that you have to learn its API and all that kind of stuff, 
you might as well ship on all the platforms. Like, yeah. why why not at that point? Um, so just my little two cents there. If I start an app in forms, I am definitely releasing everywhere because that's the whole point. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, devices. Okay, that iPhone 10. That's really what's been forcing me to update all my apps. Uh, maybe a little ahead of when I wanted to. So every single app that I'm selling, I've had to open up that old project, make sure it's in CI, get it green again, and then test, test, test on that iPhone 10 because that notch causes so many problems. Yeah, and it's- that's been my problem exactly, which is... Not only just the notch, but also the edge to edge part of it. There's no button anymore. It's like underneath. There's all these constraints and insets and everything that's going on. Now, I was pretty lucky because all my iOS applications are Xamarin Forms apps that I'm huh. updating. <laughs> so uh, the Xamarin Forms team added a bunch of helpers that enable you to set like a property and it's like use use insets or something and it automatically mm-hmm. does a lot for you but i also was like hey i might as well add large titles which also is a whole bunch of other stuff so oh, i have yeah. all this little little tiny tweaks here and there that are part of the xamarin forms api so that's really nice but i wanted to make sure because if i'm going to update you know i'm going to have a new splash screen a new icon <laughs> and everything's going to be built against xcode 9 so you better make it look great i don't want no more one-star reviews you get one-star reviews? What are you doing, man? What kind of apps are you shipping? <laughs> well, I mean... No, everyone gets yeah. a one-star. Everyone. Yeah. It's fine. Well, you know um, what I mean. <laughs> I mean, what else have you been struggling with in device-wise? Because, I mean, for me, like, the iPhone X has been definitely the biggest struggle. And um, it's, it's at least nice, since I don't own one, that the simulator, like, gives you all access to everything that you could possibly mm-hmm. want. So, like, that's been my testing, but I'm not really sure because I still don't have an iPhone 10. Have you compared and contrasted? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I spend all day just working on the iPhone 10. That's my new career is deep down in Xamarin Forms and the iPhone 10. Now, for me, um, unfortunately, my app spread years of iOS history, you know, going back to iOS 2. And I have so many odd ways of doing layouts. I feel like I invented a new layout engine for every single app seems at least. And so I find myself in the awkward place of having to make all those different layout engines work with the iPhone 10. And it doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you have six apps out there, it becomes a big deal, especially when you get into all the new requirements for uploading the apps and things like that. So generating all the new screenshots, like you said, the icon, it's just a lot of work to release an app these days. Yeah, and even just to release an app update because if you build against the newest, you know, versions. I was listening to um, Marco Armen on Under the Radar, and he mm-hmm. was saying that he's still been compiling against uh, Xcode eight because. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Xcode, <laughs> that's crazy. Eight because on nine. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, we're currently on 9.3, I think is the absolute latest one. So in order to do that, you have to actually keep a whole copy of that puppy around because it has its own set of command line tools, its own IDE, obviously, but it's basically the command line tools that can really mess you up, set of simulators, all that stuff. So it takes quite a bit of effort. What was his justification for that? So it's it's interesting because it's actually more of an operating system change than everything. Um, but 
with the devices and the operating operating system changed, he was saying that like you, he was doing a lot of custom controls and a lot of custom work. So his biggest change was that UI table view apparently went under dramatic changes in iOS 11. And a little, if you don't know this, the reason that you would keep your old Xcode around is because when you build against an older version of Xcode and ship to the app store, which is completely legal to do, yeah. Um, your application essentially runs in a backwards compatibility mode for newer mm-hmm. operating systems. So yeah. inside of iOS 11, there's this back compatibility for people that haven't updated their apps yet. So that way, all of his list views aren't broken because uh, they're in compatibility <laughs> mode because he has all custom yeah. for everything. Is terrible. That means he had some really bad hacks in there. Now, I'm not making fun because I do the exact same thing. You can't be an iOS developer unless you've hacked at UI table view to make it do what you want it to do. But at the same time, boy, that's really sad that he has to go to such efforts. I'm not like that. I think I would rather spend a day and pour all my hacky code over than to rely on building on an old SDK. That just seems like a hankering for punishment. Uh, Yeah, can't you let your app slip by two weeks, its release date, just to get that fixed? That seems... I I wouldn't do it. (laughs) I don't know. It's really hard to say because it's if if it's one page, yes, but if it's every page of your application (laughs) that you're going through and modifying and updating, right? I mean, I think he's got to do it eventually because... Yeah. And another, the downturn there is that if he doesn't compile against Xcode 9.whatever, he doesn't get access to the iOS 11 API. So his app is actually held back. (laughs) Yeah. Now, iOS 11, I don't... I think he mostly works on a podcast app, I think is his primary app. So it probably doesn't need too many features from iOS 11. That's why you can get away with it. And I guess... Boy, I just don't... I just... the idea of like the, uh, keeping a CI up to date too, that means you're basically working off your dev machine for everything. You don't have any external build things. Yeah. But it is a problem. I mean, I took an app that I probably haven't released an update for in three years, and that means it's jumped two or three iOS versions. And so I definitely ran into those kind of incompatibilities. And it stinks. I mean, I think we did a whole episode on it of <laughs> catching up to the to the operating system. But I think it's also worth the investment. If you're going to do it, do it, you know, fix it up. All right. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about operating systems, but let's take a break, Frank, and thank our good friends over at Visual Studio Live. That's right. Visual Studio Live is the development world's trusted educational provider of developer-focused conferences and contents all the way back since 1993. Imagine if you had to build apps back in 1993 and had to update them for devices now. Wouldn't that be crazy? People are. Mine would be a total console app with this like cool ASCII art everywhere, maybe a dragon coming out, but... Yeah, it'd be, it'd be totally glorious. 90s. <laughs> well, if you don't know what Visual Studio Live is, it's essentially a developer conference series all throughout the United States. In fact, they have seven conferences this year. That's right. Seven of the 12 months, they're out all over the United States. Um, in March, they're in Las Vegas, April in Austin, June in Boston, August in Redmond, September, Chicago, October, San Diego, and December in Orlando all throughout the year. So no matter where you live in beautiful San Diego, you can go to VS Live. Um, I, I love VS Live. I'm a regular speaker. I'll actually be at about four of those events this year, including Vegas, Orlando, Boston, and Redmond. Um, but there's tons of other amazing speakers. In fact, at VS Live Las Vegas, which is upcoming, uh, of amazing speechers like Casey 
Ullenhuth, who I can't pronounce even though I work with her, but Casey's amazing. Uh, Brian Randell, Orrin Novotny will be there. I'll be there. Um, Nick Landry will be there. Deborah Carrada will be there. Uh, all these amazing speakers like Billy Hollis, um, uh, Marcel and Roy Corneliuson will be there. A whole bunch of amazing people. And what I love about this conference is not only there are great keynotes, but there's also these bird of a feather lunches that you get to interact with all of the actual speakers. So where do you go? How do you get yourself a ticket? Especially if you're at an enterprise or business that they have a training budget, go get yourself a conference ticket. All you got to do is go to vslive.com and you'll see all of the actual conferences there. And we've worked with them to give our listeners a special $500 off coupon for any of the conferences. Um, so all you have to do is enter coupon code MERGEConflict, all one word, into any of the conferences, 500 bucks off. And in fact, if you're looking to go to Las Vegas, the early bird special ends on February 16th. So make sure you lock that in today. So thanks to VS Live for this awesome sponsorship. Thanks, VS Live. Yeah, love them. Love them. I didn't know you were speaking that much this year. Good for well, you. I try to take a little bit off because, you know, I need to update all these apps, but they mm-hmm. keep pulling me back in. Uh, <laughs> so I, I hope they work around the operating system release schedule at least, right? So Yeah, they do. Nothing in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the interesting part, too, because now I've decided that, hey, iOS 11, Android, Oreo, they're kind of now, they're... You know, a bunch of conferences are about to happen and new versions are going to be launched. But like, I feel like I'm ready to update my apps. Um, really? Yeah, I, I think so. It's versus, gonna... versus last year, I guess, where like you didn't have all your CI stuff. So you were kind of hesitant to update your apps. Is that what you're saying? So you feel more prepared this year? I do. I feel more prepared and just also, I don't know, I feel like giving not only Apple a few months and Google a few months to get things together, but also giving Xamarin a little bit of time to finesse everything and all the CI providers. Like now when I'm building a mobile app, it's like five or six different things all coming together, including changes to the operating system. And in in fact, on iOS 11, like my user bases, almost all of them are on the latest version. And is that right? Yeah. And on iOS 11, people seem to be updating even faster because Apple keeps breaking stuff. (laughs) well don't say that it's not that bad and in fact um i at least recently put a fork in my code uh because i wanted some ios 11 features but i still wanted my app to run on the old stuff but i desperately wanted the new ios 11 thing and one of the things i don't know if people realize this but apple made quite a shift with ios 11 in that they kind of exposed the file system in a a very friendly way but they do there's a files app now Mm. have you touch that thing at all on any of your devices i've seen it and i've seen demos of it here and there but i haven't played around mm-hmm. with it just because i don't have any file-based systems but all your apps are okay. file-based so basically yeah so this this one matters a lot to me and the problem here was we've always had the hard sandbox between apps and because of that limitation apps have always to the users had a limitation of they couldn't share stuff very well between them. So there's the classic share sheet. So if you select an image, you can say, send this to another app. And so we all got kind of used to that for with images. But what about all the other kind of data out there? And so all, all our apps, we've always had these sandboxes and we kept our data to ourselves. Well, in iOS 11, Apple has exposed if your app opts into it, to expose all its data to all the other apps. And this is quite a big change, which means now it's a lot easier to just pull in files from different apps and data sources and things like that. And as you said, because my apps are all kind of document-based, all kind of file-based, that's a big deal for me. 
So I wanted I wanted iOS 11 goodness. So does that mean that, so how are you handling specifically doing backwards compatibility to let's say iOS 10 mm-hmm. even, and then yeah. adding these new features? Like how are you handling these changes in the OS? Delicately, carefully, um, stupidly. I don't know. What other adverbs can I throw in? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, literally in the code, I have if iOS 11, create this UI, else create this other UI. And that other UI um, is the one that will show up on all the previous versions. And it's good. Like, the app was in a shippable state. Uh, that UI works fine. The problem is it can't open files from other apps and lacks these other features of uh, a modern iOS 11 app. So I I want to say, though I haven't released this, that it's no big deal. <laughs> Hoping this code fork is going to be just fine. But the truth is I want to get rid of it as soon as possible. So I think um, maybe just one or two versions I'll keep this code fork in. But once we get to iOS 12 or, God, can you imagine iOS 13? When we get there, I'm definitely removing the code fork. We'll have to check back on that. But it's bad to have these. It is. And I actually have that issue with my plugins all over the place. I have like I have oh. code that says, like, if iOS 6, do this. If, if uh-huh. new. Like, but I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to touch it. I'm just like, I don't know. I want to touch it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, because who knows? Like, you go and delete those if statements, and then you realize something hiding away somewhere was actually relying on that. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows what can happen? But that's why we have to test, test, test. So basically, I just tell myself that, that if I'm going to have this code fork, I've basically just doubled my testing. So everything I test in one place, I now have to test in the other one. Mm. And so it's more of a maintenance nightmare than like, I think it's actually going to cause bugs because the old browser and such, they've worked forever. They're going to keep working. It's really just the testing that I've really loaded up on myself. Yeah. So are you just testing on simulators or do you have a bunch of devices with older versions of iOS (laughs) sitting around? You know, it's getting harder. Um, I, I tend, I do keep old devices specifically for this task, but um, what happens is I tend to stall the device at the operating system that Apple last let install on that device. Mm. Let me break that down. So I have an iPad one. It's stuck on iOS five, but I don't release any of my apps for iOS five anymore. Thank God. I don't have that level of uh, backwards compatibility. So I don't bother with that device. I think I have one other device that is locked somewhere around 10, I think was another big cutoff point, nine or 10. And so it's stuck there at that version, and I'll use that one because I'm willing to go back to 9. But it's really hard to keep a bunch of devices like that. So the truth is, what I usually do is um, I just have flags. If iOS 11, if iOS 9, if iOS 10, I just lie in the flags. And so I'll just, you know, make it pretend that it's iOS 6 and see how it behaves. Not a great test. You really should test on simulators and devices, but practical world you know that's what happens yeah i think it's really tough i mean especially a lot of people and myself have issues with not only do i need to i usually do this thing where i had an iphone that was always on the latest and then an ipad that was always one back like that was my my task i'm like oh i have two these i literally own these two devices and then someone's like oh this thing and this one library doesn't work but only on ipad only on ios 11 i'm like oh I have uh, to upgrade. I, ha- I have to literally upgrade and then I'm stuck and there's no yeah, way to go that's, back. 
that's what happens to me because I'll have multiple devices, but basically because I want multiple form factors, iPad versus phone, um, force touch versus non-force touch. And for that reason, I want to test on different form factors, but I want them all the same version, and then they inevitably get upgraded. Plus, honestly, keeping an iOS device at an old version is a pain in the butt. Apple's always yelling at you. Always. don't have that Probably don't have that problem on Android, though, huh? <laughs> no one's ever yelling at you. <laughs> so on Android, it's a little bit different, actually, because there's usually a notification that tells you there's an update. And then but on iOS, they like they pop up all the time and then they're like, oh, defer it. And they're like, oh, no, you're not getting away from this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you say later, then it pops up a screen saying really later enter your code for later. And you're just like, no, later, 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 later. <laughs> you just you hit that five times a day. I know I ran into a good one, actually, with my Android device, my one that I use every day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to install some of these security updates because that's another thing you got to be aware of. There's mm. important security updates. And this was my old test device that became my actual day to day device. And it was my test device. So I never wanted to update. I was like, always stay on this version. And now I'm in a state, this is the weirdest thing ever, where <laughs> I can't actually install the update because the 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 uh, the device updated the Google Play services, and now the update utility never thinks that I'm on Wi-Fi, ever. Oh, so it won't download the update. It's incompatible. You're uh, something from the OS is, oh, weird. Good job, Android. <laughs> yeah, so the only way to do it is to reset the phone or, you know, have it uninstall back Google Play services. And I'm like, I can't even figure it out. And uh, I just gave up. So that one's staying like that one forever. Windows 95 times, the only way to fix it is to wipe it out and start over. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Oh, wow. I wonder how many people run into that problem. Or is it just because you're a developer and you're just doing something weird? I no. I think this is like a legitimate issue. But I don't know. Wow. But also probably people update their devices or I miss one. Ah, who knows? But it mm-hmm. is. It's really interesting just to think of the changes to the operating system because coming in with iOS 11, you know, those big titles, for instance, those aren't just iPhone X. Those are everywhere. And people are getting used to them now. And that was another thing, too, is I didn't want to adopt all the new stuff until people got used to the Apple things. That's kind of like my weird ch- oh. state of mind. I don't know how you feel about it. No, but I don't know. Day one, day one. You want to be matching Apple on day one. day one. I've never achieved it myself, but every year it's a goal to have my apps updated on the gold release of the operating system. Never happened, but I, I, I want it. I, I, I really think Apple has a trick of making things look old really fast. Mm. So no matter what they change, whether it's big titles, maybe they'll start writing titles in cursive next year, you know, who knows, whatever it is, I think that immediately things that don't use it look old. I mean, in the case of the iPhone 10, you get stupid black bars at the top and bottom of your app. There's no way Apple can say more loudly than please recompile your code right now. But for the other things, eh, whatever. Yeah, you you remember the iPhone five, right? That was the big one where they they introduced, <laughs> I believe it was storyboards or NIV files as the launch screen. And yeah. if you didn't do that, you had the the black bars on top and bottom, and on, it was just a height difference, so it literally made no difference. But they're like, no, you have to recompile. And you're like, ah, you know, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things. Apple's 
I mean, you got to be happy that Apple's conservative saying, oh, we won't force apps to resize unless the developers were prepared for it. But I think the truth is, Apple, we're, we've all come from a world where the screen size can change all the time, right? This isn't iOS 2 days where there's two screen sizes. There's, I don't even know how many, I don't even count anymore. So you have to design your app for multiple screen sizes. And so I wish they would never <laughs> bar our apps like this, but I guess maybe for games or something, there's different concerns. Yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, so I think I've done a pretty good job of keeping up. I mean, luckily, the thing, the changes in Xamarin Forms make it really easy. I have a link in the show notes how to do it if you haven't yet, because mm-hmm. that was a big thing is if you just recompile your app and you're not using these insets, you're now going to stretch and you're going to go under and it's going to be bad, like banner ads, all that stuff. So you really got to be aware of that. And in fact, uh, Google has recommendations for their ads. So they're above the bars mm. and you don't get hit or with all this stuff. So it's real interesting. I mean, have you had to make any other substantial changes for the iPhone X in general? Um, this will be a little mini topic in our thing here, but, you know, for these apps that I haven't released in, let's say, over a year, it's really hard to just do a release for iOS 11 and release it. Because what I end up doing is saying, oh, look at these bugs. Oh, I could add this little feature real quick. Mm -hmm. And so what was supposed to be a one day job of, you know, iOS 11-ifying an app turns into a few days of, well, I make it work well on iOS 11. Now let's see what other things I can improve. Mm. And that's purely a symptom of an app that doesn't get updated regularly, because that just means I've queued up all these things that I desperately want to put in there, changes. And I'm using the opportunity to mix in both things. I wish that wasn't the case. What I would much prefer is I was releasing features regularly. So when it came to updating an operating system, all I did was update the operating system and not touch the other parts. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really nice, but it never works that way. Let's be honest. No, <laughs> never. You can't help it. Cause you know, honestly, it takes you a day to remember how all the code works. Mm-hmm. And then once you have that all back into your head, now you can fix bugs and add features more more easily. It's really hard to context switch to an app that you haven't thought about in a long time. Because no matter how simple I like to think I keep my software, there's inevitably weird interactions that I forget about and it takes me a while to remember. Yeah. Um, so now that you have your apps ready, I mean, I'm almost ready. There's a few things that actually caught me off guard that I wanted to kind of close out on, which is not only have the devices operating system in the world of CI changed, but the actual app stores themselves have changed. Mm, uh, yeah. We've mentioned this a few times back when Apple redid some of the uh, app store on iOS. And to be honest with you, I don't, I'm not an iOS user, so I didn't really notice a lot of those changes. So I took a day, an evening, I should say, to just go around, search for some things, find some applications and install them and see what people were doing. And the interesting yeah. part now is that the new app store that's on your phone is actually on the web. Like they've done a great job of bringing that experience to the web when you look at your listing. So I almost feel like the app store, which to me, I was like, here's some screenshots, here's some text. There's new fields like the subtitle, the categories, which is really nice because before it would just say like utility. But if you give it a subtitle, it'll like get, tell you what it is there. So you'd be like pod, yeah. podcast player application or scoreboard application. Cause they want to get rid of 
they want to get rid of the long titles. Like that's what their goal yeah. is. And your subtitle is what's telling the user more about your application. Right. So I'm noticing that it's really important to pay attention to those fields because they show up in all really important places inside of the user's device. Yeah, and I'm excited about that subtitle specifically for, uh, well, there's a lot of names in the app store and you can't reuse someone else's name. And a lot of names are like podcast app, music listening app, you know, mm-hmm. so you just, you really get fenced in very quickly. So you end up coming up with a cute name for your app, but no one's going to search for the cute name for your app. You know, I search for symbolic calculator. Mm-hmm. There's no way Kelka is going to come up, right? I'm not going to imagine the word Kelka. Yeah. And so, uh, it, the subtitle allows you to have your cute name, but then in the subtitle, you can say a text editor that does symbolic math, and then mm-hmm. someone knows what they're getting. And I, it's better than the description, because I don't know about you, but my eyes just glaze over descriptions. I bad. look at the icon, mm-hmm. look at the title, and now I look at the subtitle. Yep. That's enough. Yeah, that's all you need. And they now have really fancy like videos that autoplay and a bunch of other things. I haven't gone down that route yet, but that might be something to look into, like a really short 10-second video of doing XYZ. Because I'm noticing on the app store, like you have to, that's the interesting part is you have to use all these different app stores, kind of gain knowledge of them, not just upload something and fill in the blanks because they are really important little fields there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. And I want to give a shout out to Apple, <laughs> shout out to big corporate America, um, that <laughs> they have a nice UI thing that they've really improved in the past. Whenever a new screen size would come out, they would ask for screenshots for that screen size. Mm-hmm. And it was just silly. I mean, I get what they're going for here, but most apps don't change that much between screen sizes. iPad to phone, sure, but everything else, whatever. So they've really improved the media manager. So you can say, oh, for iPhone 4, just use the iPhone 5 screen size. For the iPhone 5, just use the iPhone 6 screen shot. So I think you basically, I forget what the minimum requirements are now, but it feels like you need like two different phones and one iPad and the rest can just be duplicates of those. So they've really improved that UI. Yeah, I was really happy. Fortunately. I was really happy when I went there. In fact, it's only one phone, one tablet. Oh, optional. Nice. Optional iPhone X. Optional. Oh, sure. Okay. So they're down to just two, which is what it really always should have yeah. been. I mean, that's how, how do you people think about it? There's a phone app, there's an iPad app. Exactly. Yeah. And then if they're on iPhone X, they'll actually see the iPhone X images. So that's actually kind of neat sure. if you've optimized. One thing to think about doesn't take a lot of work to grab some new screenshots on that simulator uh, or on the test cloud or something like that. That's what I use. Actually, it does yeah. now. Have you noticed that the simulator is uh, really weird when you save screenshots now? It used to save in the native resolution, and that would be perfect for doing screenshots. But now it saves in like the window size or something like I haven't even figured out the pattern. If anyone knows how to get the stupid simulator to take a full screen shot, please let us know. Oh, yeah, I would love to know that too. What I've been doing actually is I use the old... Xamarin test recorder application. I load my app and then I I click around a few screens and then I I just run that on one device that I want to take, take it from. And it's, you know, you have, there's a free trial or, you know, if you have paid or whatever, it's worth trying that out. And that seemed to work pretty good for me because I didn't even have to leave my Mac to do it. And I was very happy. Um, But yeah, yeah, that's it. I feel like we're back in the iOS 2 days because I'm taking screenshots on devices and using iPhoto to like move it over iCloud mm-hmm. back to my desktop. It's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> there should be a better way to get high-res screenshots. Well, and that's what I do on my Android device too, is I, I you can do it in the, sim, uh, the emulator, which does high-res, but on a device, I like to do it 
And it's funny because I have a Samsung Galaxy S8 here and I have my old Nexus, but the Galaxy S8 is very uh, 16 by nine, like an iPhone X. And when you upload those images to Google, it's all like, nope, not not the correct uh, dimensions because <laughs> they won't downsize correctly. So they they you had to do it on my older device. So I'm like, well, that's really weird because I don't know which all the devices are going this route. You know, are we going to have to worry about carrying this old device yeah. to actually take screenshots on? <laughs> so I, don't I know. think the answer that we've come to in this podcast is yes, you must keep all your old devices and never upgrade them. Yes. Otherwise, you'll be regretting it. It's very true. <laughs> no, it's sad. Uh, don't do that. Uh, backwards compatibility is good, but <laughs> yeah, don't. All right. Oh, those screenshots. Oh, I hate screenshots. It's Will we ever worst. be over them? No. Can't they just show the app? Like run the app in an emulator mm-hmm. there. That'd be amazing, <laughs> actually. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day. All right. Anything else you've been up to that actually you had to uh, do anything crazy for these new apps? So shipping app updates in 2018? It's all font sizes. Man, that change of the font to iOS, you know, from Helvetica to San Francisco. You'd be surprised how much trouble that puppy's been causing me. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I had an app that just showed blocks instead of numbers. I'm like, good job, Frank. Really, really <laughs> coded that up good there. <laughs> Classic Frank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, hopefully, hopefully most of that pain's over. On to iOS 12 pain. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, people, this has been it for a little merge conflict. I want to thank not only VS Live for sponsoring this episode, but all of our amazing patrons over on over on patreon.com uh, slash merge conflict FM. You can find a link to that in the show notes if you want to support the show. We obviously love you to support by writing into us, sending us tweets, let us know what's on your mind. What have you had to do in your applications to uh, update your apps for iOS, uh, uh, the latest versions of iOS and Android? But if you want to support the show further, you can actually become our patron. Patron gets great rewards. You can go and chat with us in our Discord chat, which is always super fun. And also, now starting at the $5 level, you actually get pins. We have pins and stickers, (gasps) Frank. They came in today. They look amazing. I never got a pin. I want to get a pin. Well, I, this is great. They just I'm came excited. in. I put. I put a. I'm going to start becoming a patron. <laughs> yeah, I put a. I put a photo in our Patreon Patreon channel and Discord, and it's great. Um, also, they get access to the episodes before anyone else, which people super love. So we post them there. Um, that's it. So if you want to go do that, check it out. Patreon.com slash Merge Conflict FM. Make sure that you follow us on all of your favorite podcast applications. Hit subscribe and share with friends if possible. We'd love that, especially if you wrote a review. We would love you forever and ever. All right, Frank, anything else from you? No, that was great. All right. Until next week, I'll keep missing you every single day, buddy. (laughs) Uh. Oh, it'll be soon. Don't worry. Those weeks fly by. (laughs) Exactly. Well, this has been Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.